Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. You know, at the beginning of the service, when I first walked in, most of you were here, I said, Happy New Year, and you responded, Happy New Year. And you probably have said that over the last couple of days to people that maybe you weren't going to see today, or maybe it was just a natural response because of the time of year that it was. And sometimes we just say it flippantly. Sometimes we say it without thinking. It's just a knee-jerk reaction, particularly when someone says it to you. But do you mean it when you say it? You know, do you even know who you're offering it to? Do you know what you're offering when you say Happy New Year to the person that you're offering it to? And what you mean by that? Now, obviously, after 2016 and Hurricane Matthew, when we say Happy New Year, most of us mean it. Because we don't want 2017 to be like 2016 and have another hurricane hit the island. So we want it to be a happier occasion, a happier year. But sometimes we say words in a very flippant way. And we don't really pay attention to what we're saying or why we're saying it. Sometimes we say words with great conviction and meaning. Sometimes those words are heard, and sometimes those words aren't heard. Because when you say something, of course, you're sending a message. But the message needs to be received as well. Because there's a sender and there's a receiver, right? In order for the message to go where it needs to go. But words are powerful. We sometimes forget how powerful the words are. And you probably have heard this illustration before. Once something is out of your mouth, you can't take it back. You may have even heard the illustration about a father who told a son it's like a feather pillow. That if you open a feather pillow in the wind and all the feathers go flying everywhere, go try to gather all the feathers and put them back in the pillow. You can't. Once you say something and it's out there, if it's gossip, if it's slander, it's out there. And you can't stop it or the repercussions of what you've said. Because words have power. Some of you have made some New Year's resolutions, right? Some of you have told people that. Some of you haven't. If you haven't, you're safer, aren't you? Because once you've told somebody your New Year's resolution, guess what? There's accountability, isn't it? Oh! You said you weren't going to do that. Or you were going to do that. Whatever it is. I don't know how many of you read the comics this morning, 
in the comic Blondie, right? Dagwood made a New Year's resolution that he was going to eat healthy. And he put a sign on the, out, the outside of the refrigerator, eat healthy. You open the refrigerator, there's a sign on the inside, eat healthy. And the kids apparently made a deal with the kids that if he didn't, he had to pay them. And the kids immediately reminded him, Dad, don't you have those leftover meatballs in the refrigerator? And the next frame you see the kids walking out with the money. How quickly those resolutions can go away, but once we've said them, the people around us will remember them because words have power. Sometimes when someone says something to us that's hurtful or painful, there's a phrase that goes something like, it sticks to us. And it's hard to shake. Whether it was a parent or a spouse. Or maybe even a close friend. That it sticks to us. And it's hard to shake that hurtful word. That word that seems like a betrayal. Sometimes we're able to let it quote-unquote, roll off our backs, or at least we pretend it. But somehow that word sticks to us and eats away at us. That's how powerful words can be. Words of blessing can really touch us. But when someone curses us, it has the opposite effect. God gave us this gift, this ability to communicate. And it can be used for great good or great evil. To heal, to hurt, to bless, to curse. There's a couple of scriptures that, when I think about this whole idea of words... These scriptures come to mind. Let me read to you a couple of scriptures. One is from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 5. Because our message of the gospel came to you, not in word only. Interesting. Not in word only. But also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. Now catch what Paul's saying here. In other words, when I brought the word to you, it wasn't something that I wasn't in and of myself, just saying words. I brought with full conviction. In other words, motivation makes a difference. And I wasn't just saying words that were human words. It came with power because the Holy Spirit was behind it. Why? Because it's the gospel of God. And when we really understand the gospel, when we really open ourselves up to the gospel, we know it because the power of God begins to work in us and change us. That's when we know it's truth, as we heard in the passage of John's Gospel. That life is not the same. We will know whether we have received that word or not. Let me read to you another scripture. This is from Romans chapter 10. 
So faith comes from what is heard. Isn't that interesting? Faith comes from what is heard. The Word of God spoken. The Word of God preached. And what is heard comes from the Word of Christ. That's why we preach God's Word here. Faith comes from that. I have read people say, why do people preach anymore? I mean, it doesn't really do anything. I've heard people say that. And people say to me, why do you preach so long? Now you might even be thinking that. It's because it's critical. It's critical to our lives. If you really understand what God's Word is about, it's food for our souls. It is meant to make a difference. Now, if I bored you, it would be one thing. Don't snore. If I bored you, it would be one thing. But when we really understand the Word of God spoken and proclaimed, it's the power of God, it's the Holy Spirit moving in us, meant to change us. That's what's meant to happen. And isn't it interesting that Jesus is called the Word? In the beginning was the Word. Matthew and Luke have birth narratives about Jesus being born. John the Apostle. The beloved apostle who's writing this epistle jumps right into it. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. That is powerful if you really understand it. First of all, it's hearkening back to the creation story. If you really understand what John is doing. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless, void, and darkness covered the face of the earth, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. It was the Word of God that was the creative force that brought into being all that is. It's the Word of God that has power. And that's why John is saying, at the very beginning... God the Son, God the Word, was there with God, making things happen. This same Word that would become flesh was there at the beginning. In fact, we heard all three persons of the Trinity there. In the beginning, God. And then the wind of God blew over. That's the Holy Spirit. And then God said, Jesus Christ, the Word of God, there at the beginning, God's creative force in creation. God the Son was there. And then what does this Word do? He brings life. He brings life into the world. And He brings life into the believer. In fact, life that is meant to last into eternity. That's why we call it eternal life. It's a continuation of His ministry that was at the beginning that was interrupted by sin that broke into the world. 
He's also called the light. And we need light for life. We need light in order to be able to see God's revelation. This Word. This Word that would become flesh and reveal God to people. To show what God in the flesh looks like. What love looks like in the flesh. That's why this Word that was active in creation brings life and light. Two themes in John's Gospel, by the way. God wants to reveal Himself. And the pinnacle of His revelation is this Word incarnate, Jesus Christ. But then John goes on to write, but not all recognized Him. He came into the world. The world He created. And the world didn't know Him. We talk about over and over again this contrast of worldliness versus godliness. There are so many people that are living for this world, for the things of this world. Their priorities are confused, misdirected. We have to live in the world, yes, but not with its values and its morals and its priorities. And that's why it says the world knew him not. Because the world's ways are different. They're material. They're physical. God's Spirit wants to inform us of how to live in this world. That His Spirit guides the focus of our lives to walk with Him. To live first in relationship with Him. And then to seek to love others. And then to be stewards of what He's given to us. John goes on to write, not only the world didn't know Him. His own people didn't know Him. Now, that's a fascinating thing. That's a fascinating phrase, his own people. The ones who brought the revelation of God to the world didn't know him. The Pharisees and Sadducees, the ones who were supposed to be carrying God's word to the world, blessed to be a blessing, the promise to Abraham. They missed it because they were looking for a worldly Messiah. Not a suffering servant Messiah. But you know, his own people could actually be referring to his family. Because his family, outside of Mary, who pondered everything and held them in her heart, the rest of his family didn't really believe in him initially. His own brothers and sisters were told. You know, I didn't really understand this whole you know, their people being family. I don't know if you use that term when you refer to the outlaws in your family. You know, 
your spouse's family? I've heard that since I've been doing weddings. It's really interesting. Sometimes I'll do wedding and the, and the, and the other family, they'll be referred to as their people or those people. Have you ever heard that? And it's not meant in a derogatory way. But sometimes a family will be referred to as their people. Jesus' own family didn't recognize him until he rose again from the dead. So it's not surprising that sometimes people don't recognize Jesus. That's why we need to bring the word to people. That's why we need to proclaim the gospel. Because there are people out there who don't know him. They don't recognize him. Because they're caught up in the world, because they're caught up in the wrong Messiah. Because they've never been presented the true gospel. And we need to bring that truth because there are people who don't recognize him. The word became flesh. We have someone to present to them. The word became flesh. His name's Jesus. You know, today isn't just the first Sunday after Christmas. It's not just New Year's Day. In the church calendar, this is known as another day, by the way, for those who are liturgically oriented. It's known as, get ready, the Feast of the Holy Name. Because it's the day when Jesus Christ was given his name in the church calendar year. Jesus Christ. What does his name mean? Jesus means Savior. Christ means anointed one or Messiah. This is the one who came in the flesh. He came to be our Savior to save us from our sins. He came to be the Messiah, the anointed one, to fulfill the promises given in the Old Testament. Presented to the people of Israel through the Scriptures. So that we would know that this is the Word became flesh. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. That there would be no mistake. The promises that we read on Christmas Day from Isaiah chapter 9. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is not a normal human being. He is fully human and fully God. And the fulfillment that we see in Isaiah chapter 61 and 62 that we read this morning. That we through Him become righteous. We through Him learn what faith is meant to be about. That's the fulfillment. That's the blessing. And the words that are used are wonderful words. The word grace. I love that word. The word grace really means gift. We have a gift. 
It's not something we can earn. It's not something we deserve. God gave us the gift of Jesus Christ. And we are meant to accept that gift. In fact, it just doesn't say grace. Did you notice what it says? Grace upon grace. We are offered forgiveness of sin. We are offered eternal life. We're offered the fruit of the Spirit. We're offered fellowship with other believers. We're offered a restored relationship with the Father. Grace upon grace. Blessing upon blessing. If you really understand the gift that God gives us. And the gift that was given on Christmas also. Peace. The peace that the world desperately wants to have. The peace that passes understanding. The peace that can come amidst all the chaos in the world. When we know Him. And truth. Grace and truth. There's many truths, allegedly, out there. But the truths that are offered in the world really are lies. What's the opposite of life? Death. They lead to death. What's the opposite of light? Darkness. They will lead to darkness in your life. God wants to give us sight so we can see. That's what comes with light. God wants to bring us life, abundant life, fullness of life, not death, not destruction in relationships, not brokenness. When we really understand the gift that he's given to us. This is what God's revelation is for our lives when we really understand the gift of His Word. The gift of the Word incarnate, Jesus Christ. The gift of the Word of God in Scripture. We need to be people of the Word. People who know the Word of God, which is Jesus. People that know, need to know the Word of God, which is the Scriptures. So that when the lies bombard us from the world, when we get distracted or drawn away, we can hold on to the promises of God in Christ. We can seek to live in the light. Because His Word is grace and His Word is truth. John 14, 6. I am the way. I am truth. I am life. No one comes to the Father but by me. As we enter a new year, 
We have an opportunity. The world calls it a resolution. I'm inviting you to a commitment. And the commitment is to the Word. Or let me put it another way. The Word for you in 2017 is the Word. How's that? That if you've never really opened yourself up to the Word of God, Jesus Christ, this is the day, this is the year for you to recognize that Jesus is the Word made flesh. That Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. That Jesus is the one who came into the world to save us. To save us from our sin. He is the Messiah. And if you're one who's struggling, and there's lots of reasons to struggle today. There's lots of reasons to get distracted. That you allow His Word to wash over you. With all the distractions, with all that you're bombarded with from the world, with all that you hear and you see, open your ears and open your eyes to the Word and the promises of God in Christ. Because His Word for you is grace and truth. And His promise for you is blessing. Let's pray. Lord, there's many here that have been wounded by words. Words that have stuck with them from the past. Words that have led to brokenness and pain. Words that have tempted or distracted. Words that have caused confusion and pain. Words that have even led them into darkness. But Lord, you sent us your word to become incarnate. And his name is Jesus. The one who came to show us the Father. The one who came to show us love. The one who came to sacrifice himself for our sin and bring us salvation and truth, and life, and light. Lord, I pray this day that we would become more and more people of the Word. Especially as we begin a new year. That our resolve, our commitment, would be to know Your Word in our hearts. 
and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as your word takes hold in our lives. That we would be your people. Lord, help us to know your grace, to know your truth, and to know your life as we enter this new year. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.